Uh, last week we ta- started talking about the ancestry DNA of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and tracing your ancestry can be difficult. Today's passage makes me wonder at least, what would have happened if Jesus had taken a DNA test? These eight verses that Michael read to us before are full of irregularities when you think about uh, having a child. It's not a natural conception. Jesus' name is not chosen in a normal way. Emmanuel, what is that? Is that a, like, is that the middle name or is it a title? Uh, it's not ever used anywhere else, uh, after this in the Bible. And what sort of honeymoon would that have been? Uh, sightseeing, a monopoly? Eight verses about how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about and virtually nothing is normal. Uh, So really, one of the big things I want to push through in thinking about, if Jesus had taken a DNA test, would it come back saying Jesus is God or his man? Let me lead us in prayer, and then we'll start working through those eight verses. Uh, Dear God, in the unusual circumstances around the birth of Jesus, uh, please help us to understand today more of who he is, what he came to do, and so that we might respond rightly to him. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Well, this passage starts with these words. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Nowadays we have a few options about how a birth can come about, but what follows is not one of them. Have a look there in verse 18 and 19. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph... But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Before she came together, I trust you can read between the lines, before they had had sex, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Mary was pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I think it's safe to say that's not how you conceive. Has anyone conceived a child that way? Good. Our charismatic friends might speak, might actually speak in those terms uh, about a pregnancy. But Matthew's making the point, no male had anything to do with this pregnancy before they came together. That was the one option in those days for falling pregnant. This is why in the genealogy, uh, in verse 16, Jesus was connected directly to Mary, not to Joseph. Jesus was born to a virgin. Joseph had no role in his conception. For centuries, Christians have referred to this as the virgin birth or the immaculate conception. Now, yes, Jesus is considered part of Joseph's ancestry. Uh, It's through Joseph that he's connected back through to King David and to Abraham. But it's not a biological link. Legally, Jesus belonged to Joseph and his line. That's how Jesus sits in the line of Abraham and David and the promises we saw last week. But it's not the biological link. But being part of that line legally sets up the expectation for what Jesus will do. And so Mary conceived Jesus through the miraculous working of the Holy Spirit. 
Don't ask me for any scientific explanation because I haven't got one and I don't think we can give you one. But the pregnancy was real. Jesus was a physical baby but was unique. In the opening to John's Gospel, Jesus is described as the Word become flesh. The Son of God become man. The sort of theological word that's used is the incarnation, God becoming man. So back to that question, Jesus, God or man? Well, in this unusual conception, it sort of feels like the answer would be both. Well, let's move on to the second point in the outline in verses 20 to 21. That's not how you choose a name. Hopefully this will help bring more clarity to that question, is Jesus God or man? Joseph had decided the best way forward as as a good faithful Jew was to quietly divorce Mary, who has obviously shown herself to be unfaithful, because how else do you become pregnant if it's not from me? She's been unfaithful. And see, the pledge to be married feels like our term engagement, but it's engagement with the legal consequences of marriage. So they were sort of legally engaged, if that makes sense. So so divorce was the way that you would bring the pledge of marriage to an end. And so Joseph decides he'll quietly divorce Mary, presumably on the grounds that she's been unfaithful. But then God intervenes with a dream. And Joseph's drawn into the mystery of the incarnation, this mystery of God becoming man. Right now, who normally names children? Mum and dad? Yeah. In the dream, Joseph is told by the angel of the Lord to name the child Jesus. Now, I don't know uh, how you went about choosing names if you're a parent. Sam and I spent plenty of time looking at books and meanings of names. Uh, Being uh, former school teachers, we were crossing off lots of names because I taught a kid of that name and there's no way I'm calling a child by that name. Uh, So that, you know, that limited the pool a bit. Uh, We had friends who, they would do the sort of, the call through the house test. So they'd go to opposite ends of the house and they'd call out the name and see how it sounded. And that would be sort of a a test that they would use to see if the the name sounded right. I reckon we could probably probably find someone who named their child based on something in a dream. Anyone done that? Okay. I reckon we could find someone, don't you? But do you reckon you could find someone who named their child because of a dream after they've decided to divorce the mother of the child, who is their wife, who they've never slept with. It's a bit unusual, isn't it? Dream's unusual to start with, but it, it just gets... But that's not what we need to get caught up with. In this dream, the angel of the Lord proclaims two things that help us understand who Jesus is, and they're the things we need to take note of. First, the angel of the Lord affirms Mary is a virgin. Verse 20 is saying, It's okay to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She hasn't been unfaithful to you. This baby is unique. Joseph, take her home as your wife. 
And then the angel of the Lord proclaims, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, you are to fulfill your rights as the legal father. You are to name him as your son and you will name him based on what he will do in the future. He will save his people from their sins. This is the new news that Matthew gives us here about Jesus. We've learned so far that Jesus is in the line of promise, the promise to Abraham of a great nation who will then be a blessing to, which will be a blessing to the nations. We've learned that he's in the line of the promise to, to King David that he would have a son who would reign forever. And now Matthew reveals more about Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Now, why would he, why that line? Where does he get that line from? Well, if you go back to Psalm 130, and I should have put these on the screen for you, the angel of the Lord is quoting Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? So the psalmist is saying, well, I'm sinful. Like everyone else is, no one can stand before you if you kept a record with sins of sins. But with you, God, there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in this word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than a watchman waits for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. And then the psalmist says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with the Lord is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Who will redeem Israel from their sins? The Lord. And it's that, when you see the Lord with those sort of small caps, those capital letters, Lord, where it's talking about God, God will redeem his people from their sins. What have we just read in Matthew? Who's going to save his people from their sins? Jesus is going to save his people from their sins. Jesus, God or man? Jesus is God come in the flesh. It's really important and significant. Matthew is setting our bearings very clearly. Jesus is God in the flesh. And the purpose of this unique conception and this dreamy name selection is salvation, forgiveness of sins, redemption, the payment to set us free, and renewal of our relationship with God that we cannot have because of our sin. Steve Judd, come up here. Chris Rand, come up here. Well, they're, they're twins, that's okay. Uh, there's been a bit of a problem though. Chris has a lovely purple ute, or aubergine maybe, or eggplant ute. Chris, there's a Steve Judd sized dint on your bonnet. Because this morning, after you came in, Steve said, excuse me, I'm going to the toilet. He didn't really go to the toilet. He went out and he did a backflip on your bonnet of your car and there's a massive dint in it. But... Have you seen me do a backflip before? 
I know. We could have such a good YouTube. But it's okay. How much is it going to cost to fix the bonnet on your car? Uh, Barry Steen, where is he? He's the... Uh, uh, most bad. Very good. Two grand will be fine. Two thousand... It's a holder, isn't it? Dollars, oh. cash, yep, and... That is. Not worth fixing, is it? <laughs> there you go. Great. Now, have I solved the problem? We've got the we've got the car fixed. I've solved his problem, but we haven't resolved their relation. The, the problem was their relationship. Steve has sinned against Chris, hasn't he? The fact that I chuck a check in there doesn't resolve this. See, as I look at this old checkbook, that number's still valid. (laughs) Take a seat. Watch him, he's off, he's walking. Watch where he's going. See, who can resolve that situation? Two people can. One was on my right and one was on my left. I can't because Steve had sinned or done something against Chris. The two resolutions that are fair and just and right and resolve things between them are this. Either Chris takes it out of Steve's, I was going to say hide, but bank account, right? It's solved that way. Now, when we're talking about God, that taking out of our hide is hell and eternity. And so we still fear hell as opposed to the one who trusts Emmanuel in the song that we just sang, there's no fear of hell. Or the other alternative is Chris bears the cost himself. And Chris pays. How can, when we sin against God... How can that be paid for? We can either bear the cost ourselves in hell for eternity or God can bear the cost himself. Who is the one who dies bearing the cost for sin? Jesus. Does it matter that he's God? Absolutely. Because if he's not God come in the flesh, he cannot bear the cost. He'd be like the third party me who's got nothing to do with the issue. Remember at Matthew 28 at the end, it's that verse we keep coming back to about making disciples of all nations. Go, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them in the name of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So it's really important that Jesus is God. But what do we keep also getting through this passage? Mary was found to be with what? Child. So this is what I do in night church all the time. I just keep getting the call out thing. With child. And she gave what? Birth. That sounds like flesh and blood, right? She gave birth to a child. So Jesus, God, becomes flesh. He needs needs to be God because only God can pay the penalty for our sins. The alternative is it has to be us. 
And Jesus, as the God-man, can stand in our place. He can substitute. He can be us because he's generally man. But he can also pay the cost from God's side because he's God. It's a beautiful thing. And friends, uh, we need to realise that the thing that people need saving from is not fires, drought, flood, climate change, whether or not you think that exists. It's not from disease, as nice as all that would be. It's from our sins. And God entered our world, why? To save us from our sins. Did he heal people from their diseases? Did he roll back the tide of nature? Did he even raise people from the dead? Yes, yes, yes. But all of those were to point back to the issue that's behind all of them, which is sin and the brokenness of the world. It's really, it's a beautiful thing and a precious thing that Jesus is God come among us. Uh, Later he will say that in Matthew 20, I will give my life as a ransom for your sins or for our sins. And the ransom is what you pay to buy the release of something. We're trapped in our sin. Jesus is the ransom price to set us free. And it set us free from this broken relationship with God to bring us back into right relationship with God, forgiven, restored, and being renewed. So Jesus is God in the flesh, suffering the wrath of God so we don't have to. But there's two more verses that come up with this curious name, Emmanuel. You would have seen in the song it had an E. You might have noticed in the Bible reading it had an I. Uh, it's, it's the really easy change between the Hebrew word and the Greek word. They just changed the first letter. E is the Hebrew way of doing it. I, as far as I understand, is the Greek way of writing the same name. But again, it's a bit odd, right? This is Emmanuel, this verse in, in 122.23, it's the only time Emmanuel's used in the New Testament. But why not some more oddness? Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's not another name for Joseph to give his son. It's a bit more like a title. I want you to stand up. Please generally do if you know the answer to this question. Stand up if you know who the little master is. The little master. These people are insiders. They know who I'm talking about. The rest of you are going, what are you on about? Do you want to... I say, I was thinking of Don Bradman. Isn't he the little master? It's a title used of him. And who you, a whole lot of you people didn't stand up because you don't connect them together. You don't know them. Right? Did you notice in this verse, who's going to call him Emmanuel? They. They will call him Emmanuel. Who are they? It's not Mary and Joseph. 
It's the people talked of in the previous verse. Jesus is going to come to save his people from their sins and they will call him Emmanuel. So it's good that only a few people know. They're like the people that not everyone knows Jesus. Only some in our community stand going, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Plenty of people can say the name Jesus. Plenty of you have heard of Don Bradman and probably many of you have heard of Clive Churchill as well, who was a great football player. Lots of people in our community have heard of Jesus. There's only a few of us that say, know him as Emmanuel, God with us. It's a special sort of privilege of the, of the person who knows him. They will say, he's Emmanuel. We get, can say, he is the one who forgives our sins. He is God with us. See, in Isaiah 7, Emmanuel's the Messiah figure, the kingly figure who comes and brings hope to those who will be exiled, those who are currently under the wrath of God. He is the one who brings hope. What greater blessing could there be than to have God dwell with his people? That's why it's a nickname, God with us, Emmanuel. And it's tying again that genealogy, uh, that family tree, the ancestry we looked at last week, this is tying it all into it. So Abraham was promised by God that he would be with his family. And through Abraham and his family, God would bless the nations. Or he would curse those who stand opposed. Those who stand with Jesus, the one in the line of Abraham who will save the people from their sins, will be able to say, you are God with us and stand blessed, stand in right relationship with God. But all those who don't know him as Emmanuel stand outside of that relationship and under the curse. The promise was also made to David, King David, that he's, one of his line would rule and reign forever. And so through him, the blessing of God would come to people. Jesus, the Messiah in the line of King David, he is the one who will rule forever. All who come to him, all who are under his rule and his reign, who are trusting in him and following him, are blessed because God is with us. Those who aren't with him and don't know him and don't trust and follow him are under a curse. They're separated from God and will be forever. God became man in the person of the Lord Jesus. The virgin conceived, gave birth to a son, and the son is God with us. And the the verse at the very end of Matthew's Gospel, which I started quoting before when I got to baptizing the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and Jesus finishes that by saying, And surely I am with you until the very end of the age. The great promise that Emmanuel will be with us always to the very end of the age. How is he with us in uh, his people? By his Spirit dwelling in us through his word that we open and read as we come to know him. All right, the final two verses. The unconventional honeymoon, uh, as in my silliness I called it. Joseph woke from the dream, verse 24, took Mary home as his wife, 
but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. Uh, That's not what would happen when you take your wife home normally. Um, But the line's not there for us to joke about. It's there to remind us Jesus is God become man. There's something unique. This is an extraordinary birth. Again, the theological word is incarnation. God becoming man. It came about through ordinary means of childbirth. But it's about the only ordinary thing in these verses. This was no ordinary birth. This is no ordinary child. It is God coming into our midst. Uh, It's quite an amazing thing. Uh, There's three quick things I'd like to leave you to think about. Uh, One is to reflect on that idea of who can save us and therefore the significance that God became man in the person of Jesus. Only God can save us from our sins because we have sinned against him. Only God could bear the penalty for our sins because we sin against him. Either he pays or we pay. But he can only bear our sins if he is one of us. One of us with this one distinction. He is without sin. He is God himself. The second thing is, make sure your expectations of Jesus are correct. See, as you continue to read on in the Gospels, it gets very exciting. Because we live in a broken world. We see the brokenness of the world. We feel the brokenness of the world. Uh, We smell it a fair bit and breathe it in a fair bit at the moment as well. And you see exciting things with Jesus touching people and healing them. We see exciting things with Jesus opening his mouth and calming the brokenness of the world which threatens to take life. We see him calling out and touching people and raising them from the dead. And we'd long to do that. But he came as God with us to save people from their sins. The the healing, the ruling over nature, the raising from the dead. Whenever you read them, you'll notice it's always pointing us back to him being God come in the flesh. Important because why? Because he will save us from our sins. That we might be able to call him Emmanuel. Make sure you have the right expectations of Jesus. Come to Jesus to meet God. Come to Jesus to have your sins forgiven. Come to Jesus to be redeemed and have your relationship with God restored once and for all. And enjoy that new relationship of living God with us, with Jesus. Uh, And the final thing is, are you one of his people? You can be. Let me try an experiment again. Stand up if you know who one of the two options are of that's called the little master. As people hear who Jesus is, you can respond and become one of his people. You can sit down, guys. Are you one of the people of God? Are you someone who's recognised, I have sinned against God, 
I need my relationship with God restored. The only way I can have my relationship with God restored is for my sins to be forgiven. I can't do anything about that, but Jesus can, has and does, and I need to accept it. See, the difference is, to that scenario before, is Jesus, now I'm making Chris Wren Jesus, (laughs) writes this cheque, pay Steve Judd, Sins paid in full. Signed, Jesus Christ, brackets, Emmanuel. Forgiven, set free, restored. That can be yours in Jesus. And it sets off that new relationship with him that goes into eternity. Friends, if you haven't made that decision, if you haven't turned to Christ, today's the time to do it. You see the brokenness. Jesus came to save you from your sins. If you have, know that God is with you and walks with you always and will be with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he is God become flesh. We thank you that he died for our sins to save his people from their sins. Thank you that we can have forgiveness and redemption and new life in him. And we thank you that that new life is with him and that he promises to be with us always to the very end of the day. Help us to trust him. Help us to turn to him now and always. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.